0: Hi, friends. Today, we're going to talk about mindset and specifically about reframing. One of the studies I like is about karaoke. So imagine that I said, hey, we're going to go sing karaoke in front of strangers. How do you feel about that? Like, get get a sense. I'm handing you the mic right now, and you're going to go up into a bar and sing karaoke in front of 150 people you don't know. Well, for a lot of people, they start getting that queasy feeling inside. And some people might get really excited about because they might feel like that's awesome. They get to live out their dream. But most of us, we start sweating. Well, Professor Allison Brooks did this research at Harvard. And she took two groups of people, same group, divided into two. And she told them they were going to go sing karaoke in front of strangers. And for group number one, the instructions were, hey, somebody's going to ask you how you're feeling. Right before you won't go to sing and you're going to say i'm feeling anxious right so just notice that you're feeling anxious and say i'm feeling anxious okay for the second group same question how are you feeling but these people they're supposed to say i'm feeling excited right just notice in your body you're feeling excited and then say you're feeling excited then go do your thing right and so both groups did that and they went and sang their song what do you think happened Well, she's using Nintendo's Super Karaoke, so it gives an objective view of pace and pitch. It wasn't just, did she think it was great, or were they cute, or whatever? No, it was objective view. People who said, I'm feeling anxious, got accuracy scores in the 50s. But people who said, I'm feeling excited, got accuracy scores in the 80s. Isn't that wild? So it's the same thing right we we have the same neurological response in our stomachs anxious versus excited so this isn't just a feel good thing like reframing changes our actual performance let's let's take another example in my own life about 12 13 years ago i was coaching my son's little league baseball team right and i found myself in the situation where i'm leaving work at 3.45 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon to go coach Little League. And then I find myself in traffic, you know, all the way. And my inner talk track is a mess, right? That inner critic part, the inner talk track. And my inner talk track was something like, oh, my God, I have to go coach baseball. I'm leaving a mountain of work. I should be at work. I should be this. I should be that. I'm just, like, frustrated, right? And I'm, I can feel it. Like Even retelling the story, I can feel it in my body. Frustrated. Now. If I were to reframe that you know what else is true well what else is true is that I love baseball it was my favorite sport as a kid and so when I coach it it's like I get to be 12 again right I really love that I love the coaching part I love hanging out with the guys I love my son I love watching him grow and play baseball and and get better at something every day and share something that we both love all of those things are true now Imagine if I spend 35 or 40 minutes in the car in the first way, right? Complaining, bitching to myself about all the things that are wrong with my current situation. And then I get out of the car. What do you think is going to happen? I'm going to be grouchy with the kids. I'm going to be short with the other coaches. I'm going to be not at my best. Or if I spend 35 minutes or 40 minutes in the car having gratitude that I get to serve my community this way, having joy that i get to be with my son in this way reflecting on the fact that i work for a company where it's cool to leave at three forty-five in the afternoon it's okay all of those things are true but how i reflect it how i shape it in my mind whether i choose one set of truths or another set of truths will completely change how i show up now when we talked about the body we talked about our nervous response systems. Our bodies have evolved to have a negativity bias, right? Our amygdalas, that part of our brain, which is one of the controllers, is constantly looking for the dangers in our life, right? Constantly. It's kind of like the evening news, right? It's focused on the 2% of life or the 1% of life that is dangerous or that might kill us. And so our brains don't have any trouble focusing on what's wrong. But what's helpful and takes work is to focus on the other side of the what's right. And by doing so gives us a little more balance, gives us a little more stability and changes the outcome all the way around us. So it's not just sugarcoating. It's not you know, ignoring the things that are hard. It's seeing all sides of it and seeing all sides of us gives us strength. Along with this mindset, I'd like to talk about anxiety, right? Especially in this world, which is so uncertain, right? It's so uncertain. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone a year from now or five years from now. When we have fear plus uncertainty, that's anxiety, right? Anytime we're thinking about the future and it's something we're afraid of, that's anxiety. So here are three ways to deal with anxiety. There are more, but here's three simple ways. The first one is called Name It to Tame It, and it's this idea of just getting it out of your system, acknowledging it. So maybe you've had the experience, we probably all have, where we're we're going through something hard, and we're just churning on it, churning on it, churning on it, and then we have lunch or dinner with a friend, and we just get it all out. We're able to tell our stories, and when we walk away from our friend, we're like, oh, I feel so much better. We're relaxed, right? There's something about the act of getting it out of our system, which is powerful. Or just journaling it, just kind of automatic writing, just, you know, writing in our diary or our journal, everything that's going on, uh, allows us to let that out of our system. Or just simply naming it, acknowledging it. So it might be like, oh, I'm really anxious about X, Y, Z, and just naming it. So whether you journal it, whether you consciously have an experience, a conversation with a friend, or you just name it, just name it to tame it, get it out of your system. The second question, or the second thing we can do, is a question. We ask ourselves, what can I do now? What can I do right now? Oftentimes, our minds are a jumble with all of the things that are coming at us. And it's really important to separate the things that we cannot control. We have zero control over versus things that we can control. So it starts with kind of making a list, either a mental list or you know, literally writing out a list. First, all of the things I can't control, like the weather. I have no control over the weather. Uh, for the most part, I have no control over politics or lots of things in the world, right? And then on the other side are the things I can control. And then among the things I can control, what are the things I can do right now? What are the actions I can take right now? Oftentimes, humans, we are human doings. Right, we're not human beings because we love to do, we're so comfortable when we can take action. So creating a list, a list of things that you can do, and then acting on some of those is really empowering and helps us feel a broader sense of control than we have. Right. So first, separate what I can control versus what I can't. And then among the things I can control, what can I do right now? And then the third technique is also a question. I ask myself, what else is true? What else is true? Like we talked about, our brains are very focused on what's wrong. We don't need any help in that department normally. But what we do need help on is asking, okay, what else is true? What's at the other end of the spectrum? Well, what else is true is I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm employed. I'm surrounded by my family. I have clean water to drink. Sometimes we take all these things for granted. Because our brains are focused, like the evening news, on the things that could kill us. By the way, our brains are focused on keeping us alive, right? We've been wired to stay alive, right? Our, our body's response to the world is looking for danger. That keeps us alive. It does not keep us happy. For happy, it's these other techniques that we put into place um, that make the difference. So what else is true? And just like my example of headed to baseball... What else is true is i love baseball i love my son all those things are true and by looking at the whole picture it gives me some stability some strength to deal with whatever life brings us i'm not sugarcoating the hard things i'm looking at the whole picture so those are three ways to deal with anxiety remember name it to tame it what can i do right now and what else is true Next, we're gonna do an exercise in our journals again, and we're gonna put this to practice. So the first step, when you have your journal ready, is to identify something that you're feeling anxious about. It can be lots of things, but for for now, just pick one thing, and then you can add more things later. And thinking about this one thing that gives you anxiety, use the three techniques that we just talked about. Name it to tame it, what can I do right now, And what else is true you can do all of those by journaling some of them you can have again a conversation with a friend name it to tame it what can i do right now and what else is true so we've talked in this session about mindset and our ability to move essentially from pessimism to optimism to widen the aperture of what's possible and when we widen that aperture of what's possible we unleash a broader potential that we have. In our next session, we're going to go one step further and talk about gratitude. Gratitude is a superpower for how to do this. So we'll see you next time. I look forward to it. Take care.